Boston Sports Syndicate. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of Above the Parquet. We are presented by the Boston Sports Syndicate. If this is your first time tuning in, first of all, welcome to the show. ATP is the podcast on the Syndicate Network that talks Celtics and everything NBA. I am your host, Matty Kiwoom, and I am not solo tonight. As always, I am joined by the co-host of Above the Parquet. He is the head Celtics writer. He also writes about the Patriots. He's a member of the Fire the Muskets podcast, Mr. Derek McVeigh. What's going on, Derek? Not much, Maddie. Feeling a lot better about this team than I was a couple weeks ago. Yes, they've had some good stretch of games. But before we dive in, it's not just me and Derek. We don't have our other third amigo, Chris Henry. He's not here tonight. We brought in a very, very special guest. He's a newcomer to the Boston Sports Syndicate. He writes about the Celtics and Red Sox primarily. He is the beat reporter for the Bourne Braves, Nick Galley. What's going on, Nick? Welcome to the show. Great to be on, guys. Maddie, hope everything's going great. Derek, hope everything's going great. Really looking forward to this one right here. We got some good stuff to talk about, so it's great to be on. A little bit of a behind the scenes here. That loud bang you heard in the intro was my water bottle falling over. Just thought I'd let the listeners in on a little bit of the behind the scenes of the magic. So we got a lot of great topics on the list tonight. We're going to talk about the, the the Celtics and how they're playing. We got a whole bunch of breakdowns over the last few games. But first, we want to tie some loose ends and bring up a topic that we didn't get to talk about on our last episode. So we're going to talk about it now. And that is the trade deadline came in past and the Celtics were not quiet. They did make a move. They acquired guard Evan Fournier for the Orlando Magic for basically about, I think it ends up equates to a couple of second round picks. I think one is protected, if I'm not forsaken. So why don't we thought why don't we talk about the thoughts on the trade, the player, the fit, anything? Derek, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I mean it's it's hard not to like the move. I mean, Fournier obviously was a he's a great scorer and you know he has he'll have a different role here in Boston than he did in Orlando. Um, but it's just gonna help, you know, the Celtics bench. And that's uh an area that's been a huge weakness for them really for the past few years, is getting getting points off the bench. You know, they brought in Jeff Teague hoping he would be that that guy this year, and that was a, a colossal failure. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about the move. You know, they gave up a couple second-round picks, so essentially nothing. And I guess you could could draw the line that, you know, they had to release or trade Tice to, to make enough room for Fournier. Um, but either, either way, I think Fournier is a, a significant upgrade to this bench. I just hope he can get healthy. I mean, you know, it looked like he had a rough couple of first couple of games with Boston, and then it looked like he found something. You know, he had that that seven uh, that fourth quarter and against Houston where he exploded for seven three pointers. Then the next night he he hit four. So he looked like he started to find his groove. And then you know he's been out since the the beginning of April in the the health and safety protocol. So hopefully they can get him back soon so he can start to build some chemistry before the playoffs. Yeah, I, I really Nick, like the move as well. Um, you know, I think it's a great move for the Celtics. It's nice to see Danny Ainge coming in, making that that move, because we've seen it in the past. Ainge really doesn't go for guys. Yeah, I mean, he seems like he never trades for anyone. I know I wrote an article on the syndicate the morning of 
I said Danny Ainge wasn't going to make any moves. Sure enough, like the kiss of death I am, 10 minutes later, Evan Fournier is in Boston. So I was kind of surprised he made the move. Glad he made the move, though. This team needed some bench scoring. They're going to get it with Fournier. You know, as Derek kind of touched upon, he seemed to be finding his rhythm those last few games before he went down, uh, you know, with the, the COVID, you know, sickness protocol, whatever it is. I mean, you name it. Once he comes back, I'm hoping he can establish some chemistry with this team. They're going to need it. This bench unit needs some scoring. You know, we saw last night against the Bulls. When you got those bench guys in, you know, they struggle a bit. I mean, Grant Williams, not really a scorer. You know, Romeo Langford, not really a scorer. This bench needs some scoring. Peyton Pritchard's provided some of it. Robert Williams did when he was on the bench, but now he's in that starting role. So to see Fournier kind of come off the bench as a sixth man, I think it's really going to help this team down the stretch. So let me ask you guys this. Everett Fournier has a pretty, I would say, solid track record of of injury history. Uh, is that something that concerns you? I mean, he's out now. I know it's kind of not necessarily, you know, he didn't tweak anything. It's not He didn't pull a muscle. He didn't break anything. Uh, but he hasn't played in a little while, and that kind of been his issue uh, in Orlando. Is that something that concerns you going forward as the season wraps up and as they get into the playoffs? I think so, yeah, because, I mean, this team has been injured pretty much all year. I mean, someone's someone's down most of the time, and it's hurt the team, obviously. I, I think they've never really been able to establish a set rhythm because of all these injuries. And, and we've seen it throughout the year. It's been highs and lows, highs and lows. It's been a roller coaster ride. So really, it comes down to what team is peaking at the right time and what team's the healthiest. And if the Celtics aren't the healthiest, I don't think they're going to be peaking at the right. I mean, they've had a great April, but still some setbacks, one being that Bulls game last night. But but again, it was because of injuries, too. I mean, you got three starters out, and that just goes to show when you're down guys, especially important guys, too, and Fournier is going to be an important guy come crunch time, come the playoffs, when you're down, when you're down like that, when you're down guys like that, I mean, it's going to be tough to win. It really is, especially in this league, especially with the circumstances this year. We got that play-in tournament. Um, so it's going to be, like, really important for Fournier to be healthy. So, yeah, it does concern me a little bit that he's had health struggles in the past and that he's had some right now. I, I know it, it's not really something he tweaked, but even if it's the COVID stuff, we saw with Tatum, you know, that COVID, I mean, I, I haven't had it, but apparently it can, like, really have some effects on you in in the long term and and i've heard a wide range of things and i know tatum you know a month or two after his COVID, he really wasn't himself so that's the one thing that scares me even when fournier returns like how effective is he going to be how are how are these covid symptoms kind of going to linger and i think we're going to have to keep a close eye on that Derek, do you have any thoughts on, on fournier's injury history or you know his dealing with COVID right now um, I mean, normally, you know, injuries, I would just say, are, are part of it. It's hard to, you know, worry about them too much. But this team seems to just, for whatever reason, can't get out of their own way in terms of, of injuries and, and health and safety protocols this year. So if, if for nothing else, just based on how this year has gone, uh, you know, it would worry me. I think one thing that helps is that he's not going to be playing the type of minutes that he's used to, right? He, you know, playing probably closer to, to 30 or 35 minutes in Orlando. He won't be playing quite that much here in Boston. So maybe that helps, you know, manage his his injuries a little bit. Maybe that helps him, you know, as he works his way back from COVID, you know, they don't have to throw him in to the fire right away and count on him for, a, you know, a significant amount of minutes. It can kind of ease him back into it as he'll be, a you know, a role guy and a bench guy. So that could help. But I just, the 
step number one is is getting him out there and keeping him out there. Yeah, I do like the fit for him on this team. Uh, he's a good shooter. The guy can can really shoot the rock, and uh, I think that's something that they lack. You know, they try to address it in the draft with with Neesmith, and, and you know, he is a rookie, so it, it hasn't come as easily as maybe Celtics fans would have hoped. Now you bring in a guy like Evan Fournier, he seemingly takes that role, and he's probably going to do a better job with it once he gets healthy and gets going again. Uh, they brought him in. He's an expiring contract at the end of the year. Uh, Derek, is he somebody you hope the Celtics sign long term, or do you are you okay with him being a one year rental? Uh, I guess I guess I'd like to see a little bit um, more from him. You know, see how the the rest of this season goes, uh, and determine on if I'd like to see him back or not. I mean, based on his his history and his abilities, yeah, I'd love to see him him here long term. And in all honesty, I don't think like to to Nick's point earlier about Ainge not typically making moves. Ainge isn't into the the rentals right he's he's talked about that's part of the reason they haven't made some of the bigger moves before is because they can't uh you know guarantee long-term commitment and they don't want guys coming in for half a season and then you know they just they leave so i think he's in boston's long-term plans um now what that that price may be is you know remains to be seen um so me personally i mean i guess it depends on you know how he performs over the the past month or the next month month and a half um but it certainly seems like the celtics have him in their future mr galley do you have anything you want to add to that yeah i, w- I would say i definitely agree with derek and I, I hope they have him in their future too and off of derek's point about Ainge really not being into rentals i mean it's clearly he's not danny Ainge is you know no pun intended here the pickiest gm there is it seems like i mean the guy just hoards picks for years and years and years never really wants to give them up and kind of tries to establish some dominance through the draft and sometimes it works Sometimes it doesn't. It's worked with some picks. Like, you know, obviously it's worked with Tatum and Brown, but I still remember some really bad picks like James Young. Uh, you know, he never amounted to anything. You know, R.J. Hunter, he never amounted to anything. So, I mean, these are guys that Ainge tried to kind of build up through the system, and it never really worked out, and seemed like he never really wanted to go out and get a big name to trade for. He finally does it, obviously with the help of the TPE um so it's definitely nice to see and another reason i think Fournier is going to be long term i mean i don't know if you guys saw it, but the car he has now he got that celtics car so i feel like you know i know these guys got a lot of money but i feel like if you're going out grabbing the, the green car the green whip that you're going to stay around for a little bit at least i would hope so but we'll see what happens there hopefully he's in the long term in the long term plan because i think he's going to be a really nice fit in boston once he starts to settle in and get healthier yeah, the green whip is an indicator that he's either going to stay with the Celtics or maybe goes to the Bucks or something. I don't know. Or maybe the, 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 the Supersonics come back and he, and he signs up in Seattle. <laughs> All right, so we talked a little bit about Evan Fournier. So let's move on now to, to the Celtics as a whole. Currently, they sit in the fifth seed in the crazy volatile Eastern Conference. Their record's 31-27. They're currently eight and a half games back. I have a question for you, gentlemen. Let's start with you, Nick. Are they underachieving? And if so, who's to blame? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're definitely underachieving. I mean, this is a team that I thought would be, you know, top three in the East, maybe even like one. Uh, I mean, I thought they had a chance to be one at the beginning of the year. That was obviously before Harden came to Brooklyn and before Philadelphia was was having a really strong season behind, you know, kind of an MVP form of Joel Embiid and a really consistent Tobias Harris and, you know, I, I thought this team was really going to compete, and here they are kind of in this gauntlet 
of the four through eight seed. And you can also kind of factor in the, the nine and 10 seed that are still really fighting for a spot to be at the eight. So I think it's been really, really kind of disappointing for a lot of fans too. But at the end of the day, this team still has a lot of talent. You know, they got Kemba, they got Jason, they got Kemba, or Kemba, Jason, and Jalen, excuse me. And I think they're still going to make a decent playoff run. I don't know if that's the optimistic Celtics fan in me that's saying this, but I really do. I, I mean, I think a lot of it just comes from, all right, we have such a good team. It's a regular season. We know we have a playoff spot. Maybe they're not putting 100% effort in, but you, you can't do that. I'm not condoning that, but maybe that's been the mindset a little bit. We saw Tristan Thompson say that regular season games don't really matter, um, but you know, I, I don't know. This team has some stuff to figure out still, and they're running out of time to figure it out. But definitely underachieving, kind of a disappointing year, and, and there's been a lot of negatives that this team has kind of reflected in their gameplay. Nick, what, what, are you, what are some of your feelings on that Tristan Thompson comment? Because he was basically just telling the media that, you know, when he was on the Cavs, the, you know, LeBron and company would shut it down and, and turn it back on. Is that something that, you know, the, the Celtics should try to do? Is that is that who they are? I mean, personally, I hate that comment. I feel like you should kind of go out every day and, and try your hardest. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're, you know, the elementary school basketball team or the best team in the NBA. I mean, you've you got to be putting 100% effort into every single game. And I, I understand you're not going to be able to give 100% every night, especially with this NBA season where games are coming at a rapid pace. But at the same time, I don't care if you're talking about that in the locker room. Don't say it. I mean, Boston media is going to pick you apart when you say stuff like that. And a lot of people have. And honestly, I'm on their side. I, I don't think you should be saying Like, just don't say it. Don't say it. I, I don't care if you think it. I don't want to know if you think it. Just keep it quiet. Because, you know, I, I don't know. That makes it, seems like, makes it seem like you're kind of entitled. And I, I don't think you can be entitled to anything in this league, especially an Eastern Conference that's now kind of strong. Is it as strong as the West now? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you got to look at some numbers. You got to crunch some numbers there. I, I don't know what the numbers say, but... This is tight. This is a tight race. And, and to say stuff like that in such a tight Eastern Conference race, I just think it's wrong. It rubs me the wrong way, comes off really bad. It's a bad look for Tristan Thompson. I have to agree with you. Now, Derek, before you answer the question about expectations, underachieving, and who's to blame, do you have any issues with those comments that were said a few weeks ago? either Tristan Thompson's comments or Jalen Brown's when he said that the Boston media doesn't allow them to ha uh, be themselves on and off the court? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Tristan Thompson thing, like that's, yeah, it's, if that's how they're approaching the regular season, obviously it, I think that's the, the wrong attitude. I mean, the reality is in the NBA, that's, that's just what it is. Guys take nights off, you know, with, with players resting and, and load management, you know, all that, all that crap, you know, that there are teams that are just like, all right, we just want to get into the playoffs, but it's one thing for, you know, a Cleveland Cavaliers team that has LeBron James or like the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, you know, like, or Kawhi Leonard on the Clippers or, or when he was with the Raptors. Like if you have one of those top five, you know, superstar guys, that's one thing. The Celtics don't have that. Look, Tatum and Brown are great. They're all-stars, but they're not that superstar level yet. And they haven't won anything in this league. You know, they've gotten to a, a few conference finals, which is great, but they haven't been able to get over that hump. So it's, for them to be able to think that they can just flip the switch, I think is wrong. If, if that's how they're approaching it. And you know, we saw a, a few years ago in Kyrie's last year that Kyrie kind of made those statements like, well, just get me into the playoffs. And 
they kind of loafed through the regular season and they swept Indiana in the first round, which is great. But then they got steamrolled by the Bucks. Um, so I just and that's that's never been Brad Stevens, you know, MO for, for his team. They've always come out and played hard every single night. And that's what people have loved about the Celtics over the past few years. So hopefully that's not how they're they're treating things. I think they're they're trending in the right direction over these past couple of weeks with how hard they've been playing and the the intensity they've been showing on the defensive end. Um, so, I mean, it is, it is definitely something that happens in the NBA, but I just don't think the Celtics are the type of team that can, you know, approach the season that way. Yeah. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Now, do you think that this team's underachieving? Yeah, I, I definitely think they are. And it's more based on the, the gap between them and the, the teams at the top. You know, I mean, they're, they're a half game out of fourth place. Like if the, at the start of the season, you had said they're going to finish in fourth. I would have, you know, kind of been disappointed. But, you know, if you had told me Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee will be ahead of them, I kind of would have understood it. But if you had told me that they would have been, you know, eight and a half games behind Philly and seven and a half behind Brooklyn, you know, four and a half behind Milwaukee, I guess four and a half is not a, a huge gap. But there's a significant gap between them and, the, and those top three teams. And I thought that gap was a lot smaller at the start of the year. And maybe that's that was, you know, my fault and, and fans fault for thinking that, you know, Brown and Tatum were just going to be able to lead this team. And maybe we kind of underestimated how difficult it can be for young guys to to lead a, a locker room through a, you know, and essentially a full NBA season. I mean, 72 games is pretty much an, an entire season. So it's the first time they've ever had to, this has really been their team. You know, last year, I think a lot of people thought it was Kemba's team. And then Tatum and Brown stepped up in the playoffs and it, it started to become their team. They still had Hayward last year as well. Um, but now I think this is the first season where people felt, all right, this is Tatum's and Brown's show. Uh, and I think they've struggled with that that piece of it. Um, but again, they're they're trending in the right direction. They're starting to play like the team we we thought they were going to be, uh, you know, at the start of the year. They just didn't do it consistently enough this year. So that's that's why I think they've underachieved. They certainly are trending in the right direction. They are currently eight and two in the month of April. Uh, they've had some pretty big wins, eight of them uh, to be exact. But I got to ask you guys this question. They did lose to the 76ers, and they just lost last night to a pretty crappy Bulls team that's been playing awfully since the trade deadline. What is more noteworthy to you, their record, which is the eight wins, or the fact that they've lost to the Philadelphia 76ers, which is going to be potentially the number one seed in this bad Bulls team? Let me Let me hear what you have to say first, Nick. Yeah, I think I'll say this. I think the eight wins are more important only based off the fact that it's just nice to see some consistency from this team. You know, winning eight of 10 is something the Celtics have not been able to do a lot this year. I, I don't know if they've even been able to do it at all. But uh, seeing that is really, really, you know, uh, it's, it's a positive thing to see. I mean, it's just kind of really comforting um, as a C's fan to see something like that. And the Bulls loss was horrific last night. I mean, I was in front of my TV saying just things that just should not be, you know, heard by children. You know, I'll say that. But, you know, I I have to keep in mind. I think we got to keep in mind that they had three starters out. Fournier was out. So you have four of your, you know, I, I think they said on the broadcast, four of their best six players. Um, It's going to be tough, you know. And I know the argument is the Bulls had Levine out, but – I mean, is Levine kind of going to match up with Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, Fournier? 
and Kemba. You know, I, you know, I don't know. I, I'd rather take the, the latter four right there. But the Philadelphia loss, also a bad one. The thing that concerns me about that, though, is the fact that Boston has just been absolutely slaughtered by the 76ers this year. They got swept. I mean, you cannot get swept to the 76ers, especially a team where you've had so much success against them in the playoffs in the past. So that, that really concerns me. The loss in itself doesn't concern me too much. The history of it does. And that's something they got to fix because if these two teams square up in the playoffs, not feeling good about the Boston Celtics in that one. But definitely nice to see some consistency. I'll take 8 out of 10 any day. Uh, I'd like to see that a lot more from this team. And if they can close strong here, I think they're going to be in a good spot come playoff time. Derek, are you going to lean in the positive or the negative of this this stretch in April? I'm definitely more towards the positive. I think last night's loss to Chicago is is a terrible loss. Um, I know, look, it, it's hard to harp on it too much because of the guys that were out. I still think no matter, I still think regardless of that, they, Chicago, that was still a team they should have beat. And they had chances, you know, earlier, early in that game, really to to create a lot of separation. But they just couldn't they couldn't put Chicago away. They let them hang around. They gave up way too many offensive rebounds and second chance points. You know, Tatum had a triple double, but had an awful night shooting. Uh, you know, Brown had a, a great start to the game, but then kind of disappeared for large stretches. Um, so it was it was definitely a disappointing and frustrating loss because of the way they have been playing. But with that being said, I think the, you know, the eight wins that they've had have been more encouraging and, and more so the narrative over these past few weeks and because they've beaten some good teams, but it's also the way they've been winning games. You know, they've been trailing in the fourth quarter of a bunch of them and they've been able to make plays down the stretch. And that's something they haven't they didn't really do for the, the majority of the season uh, before that that Knicks game, uh, you know, a, a week and a half or so ago, they were three and twenty when they were trailing going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, since then, uh, I think they've they've either won three three in a row or, or four in a row or, or something like that. So their their fourth quarter execution has been, uh, you know, greatly improved. But then they've, you know, they've won games like with Minnesota, 145-136, you know, high-scoring games. And then they won that game against the, the Knicks, 101-99, where it was just a defensive slugfest, you know, grinded out. The the old grit and balls type of Celtics basketball that we've grown accustomed to seeing. Uh, so those are the stuff that's been more encouraging. I will say these next two games against Phoenix and Brooklyn, two of the best teams in the NBA. If they lose both of these games, I think then you start to lean more towards the 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 losses in this stretch as opposed to the wins. You know, I think they've got to win one of these these next two games to show that they can beat some of these top tier teams. Yeah, we'll dive into the remaining schedule in a minute, but I, I have to. I mean, shocker, everybody. Maddie Kibum's positive about the about a Boston team, but I think it's hard not to be because you know for all the reasons you guys just stated, the wins were quality wins, hard fought wins, and you know they were out on the West Coast and they swept their West Coast trip. I don't care who you're playing in the West Coast; that's tough to do. Denver, they ended up blowing out. The Denver Nuggets, when they started off so bad that game, and winning in Portland is not easy. 
especially for East Coast teams. And then I know the Lakers didn't have LeBron or AD, but that team's still good. There's a reason why they're defending champs. So to get a win there, I mean, to win all three of those games is fantastic. But the win that I think it was just, I think, in my opinion, is the key win of the season so far is that game on Saturday against Golden State. That was a back-and-forth barn burner between two superstars and Jason Tatum and Steph, and Cur- Steph Curry. Curry had 47 points, I think, and Tatum replied with 44 of his own. And what I really loved about the, the, the two superstars going at it was both neither player took 55 shots to get their points. You know, they each only had, I think it was 25, 26 field goals attempted. And to, it was just great basketball. You know, they went down in the first quarter, fought all the way back to win that game. And I know Golden State didn't have Kelly Oubre, but the, the Celtics didn't have uh, Brown. You know, they didn't have their second best player. And I just think that was a tremendous win on Saturday night. Yeah, it was a great win. And I, I think right now, Steph Curry, he's my MVP. I mean, he, this guy's I, no, playing. Uh, Jokic mm, is I'm having a phenomenal season. So is Joel Embiid. They're having I think one of them years. are going to win it. But Curry's I, I, ridiculous. I think they're having great years. I, I think they're probably the front runners. But the way Curry is playing right now, assuming he keeps this up, I mean, I, I think he's got to be the MVP. I think I, I read the stat this morning. Um, I think he has like more threes in like the past two weeks or something than like I forget that it was some ridiculous number of NBA players. It, it was like crazy. And just that kind of efficiency that he has too, as you kind of touch upon, Maddie. I mean, it's ridiculous. And Tatum's efficiency has been really great too. You know, the other night against Golden State, I think he was sixteen to twenty-five from the field. And I know he was sixteen to twenty-five from the field against Minnesota when he dropped his career high fifty-three. So he has games like that, but but then it's like he'll come out the next day like he did against Chicago last night and go three for 17, or you know, and you can't do that. If, if you want to reach that next level, you can't do that. But Jason Tatum, he's going to just have to be efficient. If the, I, I'd rather have him drop 25 points on 8 of 11 shooting than go for, you know, 50 on, you know, 10 of 40. I, I mean, I think anyone would, but – you know, Tatum has those games sometimes, and if he has those games, the team's going to struggle, and I, I think that Golden State win, it, it was extremely crucial, because at points, it looked like it was going to slip away, it almost did, it, Celtics were trailing for a good portion of that game, and then as they do in Celtic fashion, they battle back, and, and then they go down again, and they battle back, and then it's neck and neck through the final two minutes, three minutes, and you're kind of sitting there sweating, but Celtics have been pulling off these close games as of late, and it's really good to see. One, oh, a couple things about that game that I just really get, you know, the tinglys about is the is the way Jason Tatum and Steph Curry kind of interact pre and post game. Uh, and I don't know if you guys saw this picture of uh, Danny Ainge wrapping his arm around Steph Curry, hopefully whispering a little bit of sweet nothings into his ear. Uh, Curry's getting a little bit of taste of what life is like without supporting superstars. So if there's going to be a chance for him to hightail it out of California, maybe, just maybe, Danny Ainge has a little trick up his sleeve and uh, can bring Steph Curry to Boston. Either one of you guys uh, have anything to say about that, other than the fact that it would be uh, just tremendous? Yeah, I I don't think there's any chance that Curry leaves Golden State, especially with the the idea that Clay Thompson will be back, you know, next year, assuming that he doesn't, you know, rupture his Achilles or tear his ACL again in the off season or what, yeah. whatever's going on with him. 
Yeah, you uh, you really are the most positive man in Boston. If you think that, <laughs> you think that's happened, man. I mean, hey, uh, hey, you know, crazy things have happened. Uh, crazy things have happened. I mean, I think everyone would love it, but um, I mean, honestly, you know, that'd be a crazy. I mean, you know what? Actually, bet on it because you'd you'd be a billionaire afterwards if if it did happen. But well, I'm uh, already a billionaire. I got Dogecoin. There you go. Oh, yeah, you're fine then. You're fine then. You might as well <laughs> throw the house on it then. But, um, yeah, I, I just – man, you, you're getting me <clears> – <throat> getting my hopes up now. I can't even think about it, so. Okay. All right, let's, 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 let's change gears here before we all have to, you know, take a cold shower. Seth has got 14 games left, uh, starting with the Phoenix Suns on Thursday night. And it's kind of a mixed bag in terms of the strength of schedule. Um I don't. I'm not really sure. I, I, maybe one of you guys could tell me, uh, you know, exactly what their strength of schedule looks like in terms of, you know, that RPI thing that, that that the league does. But when you look at it, you know, they got some tough games. You know, they got Phoenix, which is a tough team. They got Charlotte, San Antonio, who's been playing good, uh, Miami twice. But then they also got some stinkers on there. They got Oklahoma City, uh, Orlando, Chicago. I know they just lost, but that team has not been playing good. And then they wrap up with two. Two of the last three games, in my opinion, are soft, you know, at Cleveland, at Minnesota. Uh, Derek, what are some of your initial thoughts on their remaining 14 games? So I had, I, you know, I was looking at the the rest of their schedule and I was like, oh, this looks like kind of kind of challenging, right? There's some some good teams on here. But then I saw something on Twitter. This is like a week and a week or so ago that said they had one of the five easiest schedules remaining in the nba which i was like i don't know if i believe that but i think it's just a um the idea that you know some of these teams like miami good team but their record you know doesn't really indicate that you know they've they've kind of struggled this year you know minnesota we saw just a a week and a half or so ago how explosive they can be offensively but obviously their their record is not indicative of how talented their their team is um and then you know obviously portland's tough phoenix brooklyn so i think it's it's going to be challenging um i i think for the celtics you know 14 games i think they've got to win at least 10 of them and i think if they can win 10 of their final 14 i I mean that's seems like a lot but you know i think you could go through these final 14 and and identify 10 games that they can win i think that would be good enough to get them the the four seed. I think at this point, they're not going to catch Milwaukee with only 14 games left. You know, they're not going to get into that top three. I think you want to get four so you can, you know, host a, a first round playoff series, especially now that some fans are allowed back in. And just looking at some of these these other teams uh, and their remaining schedules, you know, uh, the Knicks still have to go out west for a, a tough West Coast trip that includes Denver, Phoenix and the Clippers. Uh, you know, the Hawks still got to play Philly twice. Uh, they've got to play Portland and Phoenix, Milwaukee, Miami, uh, and then you get to play, you know, the Heat twice. The Celtics play the Heat twice. They play Charlotte a couple times, uh, so they they have a chance to create some separation from some of those teams. Uh, so I think if they can get they can get ten of their final fourteen, I think that's good enough to to get them in the top four. Nick, what are some of your expectations for the remaining fourteen on the schedule? I'm going to give you the exact uh, wins and losses that this Boston team is going to going to get right here. Right oh, play the schedule game? I love the schedule game. I love the schedule game. To a T. To a T. Here we go. So Boston's beating Phoenix tomorrow. Uh, that's my – or in, on Thursday, a couple days from now. That's my consensus here. I think it's going to be a comeback game. So that's 1-0. You're going to get absolutely smacked on Friday by Brooklyn. 
Just absolutely demolished. Even without James Harden in the lineup? I think so. I think so. I, because I think the mental game, knowing how Tristan Thompson thinks, knowing how Jalen Brown might think, they're going to say, oh, no, James Harden, it's a regular season game. Here we go. Let's have some fun. And they're going to get smacked. So saying one and one right there. Going to beat Horn- the Hornets. Going to beat the Thunder. Going to beat the Hornets. That's four and one. Losing to the Spurs on April 30th, I think. For some reason, the Celtics always struggle against the Spurs. That's four and two. I think they're going to take the game at home against Portland. That's five and two. They're going to beat the Magic Bulls and Heat. That's eight and two. I think they'll split with the Heat, so they'll go eight and three. And then I think they're going to win out. So I'm saying 11 and three, and I think it's very possible that this team does that. And if, I, if I'm thinking the the Maddie Kiwoom way, I'm going to say this team goes like 12 and two, 13 and one. But um, I feel like even my take right now is a little bit too optimistic for what I would like to say. But but I think this team has a realistic chance to go 11 and three. And if they do that, I think they're going to be in a really nice spot come playoff time. Certainly. And, and, and I really, really, really hope that Tristan Thompson's sentiments the other uh, uh, last week or whatever about them taking nights off is not the mindset of the team in general. Because when you look at their schedule, they got four back to backs remaining on their schedule. And of the four they play. So these are the games that they play in the second half of a back to back. They're at Brooklyn, which is tough. Right? That's a tough game. Home against Charlotte. They're also at uh, at um at the at Cleveland and at New York. You know, at Cleveland, Charlotte, those games you really want them to win. So if they're gonna if they're gonna take nights off and stumble and lose to those games, I think that is where you could find them having a, a less than ideal finish to the season. Yeah, and you gotta factor in that Kemba Walker probably won't play in any of those games because you know they don't they don't play him on the second night of back to back. So he'll you gotta think he's automatically out for those games, and then you just hope that everyone else is healthy. Yeah, speaking of Kemba Walker, what are some of your guys' thoughts on him? You know, being part of this team, he's their third leading scorer, so he's given them production. Um, but what? Is, just give me some of your general thoughts on Kemba Walker and, and his fit on the Boston Celtics. Nick, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Kemba Walker, I think, is the key to this team's success. I mean, you know what you're going to get with Jason Tatum the, most of the time. I mean, obviously, he has the off nights, as I had mentioned earlier. You know you, what you're going to get with him. You know what you're going to get with Jalen Brown. The only thing kind of holding this team back, I feel like, has been a unhealthy Kemba Walker. I know he got the stem cell, you know, injection into his knee. I have no idea, you know, what medical procedure that is i have no idea how the timetable i supposedly it fixes you up pretty good and Kemba's looked pretty healthy this year when he's played but um you know he still had off nights and i mean every nba player does but he hasn't been the Kemba walker that we thought we were going to get when he came over from charlotte when danny Ainge, you know signed for him so if you can get a healthy Kemba walker i think this team's going to go you know worlds farther than they would without a healthy Kemba walker and a lot of people are saying Kemba's not the answer, Kemba's not the answer. Well, I think he is. I mean, unhealthy Kemba isn't the answer. But a healthy Kemba, I think, is the answer. And if you can get Kemba Walker going with Tatum, Brown, and the guys surrounding him, you know, Fournier, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, uh, it's going to be a good team. I mean, I I feel like that's a, a top three team in the East without a doubt. You know, I'd put them above Milwaukee at that point, in all honesty. I mean, we've played Milwaukee really well. And Milwaukee, I, they haven't been too hot either, and they've gone on cold stretches in the past month as well. So, you know, I think Kemba Walker is a, a huge asset to this team. A lot of people have been hating on him because his production has been, 
you know, kind of on the lower end of what you expect from Kemba Walker. But uh, I'm not giving up on him just yet. I think this guy still has something to provide. And if he can do that, uh, this team's going to be in really good shape. And you're going to take some uh, some of the pressure off Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. So he's a big piece. Yeah, do you have anything you want to add about Kemba Walker and his fit on the Boston Celtics this year? Uh, so in terms of his fit, I, I find myself going back and forth. And maybe it's because, you know, he hasn't been 100% healthy this year. There are some games where I watch and I'm just like, yeah, it's it's not an indictment on him. I think he's a he's super talented and he's a great point guard. I just wonder if he's with the best fit alongside Tatum and Brown. Like, could the Celtics use more of a a facilitator as opposed to a guy who's looking to score because Kemba's not much of a facilitator. However, you know, he's been trending. Talk about the team trending in the right direction. Kemba has as well. And maybe that's just a sign of him getting healthier. You know, month you look at like month by month since he's returned, his field goal percentage has improved with each passing month. His assist numbers have gone up. So he's, he's starting to look more and more like himself when we saw him hit that, you know, that clutch three-pointer the other night against Golden State, where it looked more like the the cardiac Kemba that everyone has, uh, you know, grown to love from his days in UConn and, and days as uh, a Charlotte Hornet. Uh, so I'm I'm not out on Kemba. I still think Kemba can uh, do a lot of good things for this team. Um, but I'm yeah. I, as far as the fit, yeah, that's that's such a tough question. I I'm not really. I'm still not sure because like I I go back and forth because there are just some nights where I just look and like the ball sticks too much in, in guys' hands. They need someone like a like a Rondo or someone who's just out there to get guys in, in good spots. Yeah, Kemba Walker, uh, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up about, you know, the, the cardiac Kemba that he used to be because if he hits a couple of clutch shots in this home stretch and in the playoffs, all is forgotten in terms of the, his lack of real uh, hype that he's gotten this season because he is a good basketball player. You know, the injuries kind of derailed what was a really solid career, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. And that's a shame. Um, and I think the, really when you pinpoint where uh, he doesn't fit or, or why maybe he's not a perfect fit is really just his salary. If this guy was a 15, if he was making Evan Fournier money, I don't think people would have a big, as big an issue. But because he's getting, you know, that max deal and he's expected to be a true big, you know, he's, he's expected to be the third of a true big three. Uh, and, and I just don't think that's necessarily um, in the cards for, for him now, given the injury history that he's had. But, you know, like I said, a couple of big shots down the stretch or in the playoffs, you know, everyone's going to love Kemba Walker. And I, I'd be happy to see it because personally, I like Kemba Walker as a player. I think he's, you know, I think he's had a great career and I think he's been fun to watch. So I'm pulling for him uh, just personally. Yeah, he's and been that, really fun. And I, I'd personally say, like, when we signed him, you know, he, he was kind of the second option. I mean, at the time, Jalen Brown was was good, but, you know, you had Tatum as a one, you signed Kemba, and you're like, all right, he's a two, and Brown was a three. So you, you bring a guy in who's originally supposed to be your two, and now he's dropping, like, your four. You don't want that, especially with the money he's making. Yeah, for sure. It's a little that I know Gordon Haywood caught a lot of that flack, too, uh, that he just wasn't, you know, he wasn't living up to the dollar bills that were on his paycheck, which is, you know, now they're, you know, it's nothing that really they can do uh, necessarily because, you know, they, they're not going to turn down all that money. So let's just hope that he can, you know, get healthy, stay healthy and help out in the home stretch. Uh, talking about Kim Walker, let's pivot over to the team superstar, Jason, uh, Jalen Brown. Psych. Just kidding. Let's talk about Jason Tatum. I personally like Jalen Brown because he's on my fantasy team, but that's not who we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Jason Tatum. He's averaging just just under 30 
points a game over the last eight. You know, that's highlighted by the career-high 53 against Minnesota in that awesome shot that he hit in Portland. And he did have, uh, I don't I don't want to besmirch the man's name, but he did have the most useless Russell Westbrook uh, triple-double in the loss to the Bulls. Uh, so, Derek, why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and just give me your initial thoughts on the recent play of, of Tatum and kind of what you expect him to provide this team as they roll into the playoffs. So I think this this recent stretch of play is what I what I expect from him and and hope that he provides in the playoffs and what what they need. Now not the you know the 53 and 44 like if he can get those you know every once in a while great have those explosions but I think the consistent 25 to 30 a night but as Nick mentioned earlier you know efficiently and I think that's that's been the key for him lately is that he's doing it efficiently you know before before last night's um you know, off night against Chicago, he was shooting over 50% from the field for the month of April. Uh, the big thing is he's getting to the free throw line. You know, he's not just settling for threes and taking step back threes. He's attacking the basket and putting himself in good position to to get some easy baskets and get himself into a rhythm. Uh, you know, he's averaging almost or over six free throws a game for this month, uh, which is almost double what he was doing last month. So he's been a lot more aggressive. Uh, I hope he can keep it up because as as great as Brown is, this team will only go as far as as Tatum takes them. I think Brown is a great uh, you know beta to to Tatum the the alpha. I just think there's more that Tatum can do as an individual. Uh, so I think he is he is the key for the Celtics for a you know a deep playoff run. Nick, what are you some of your thoughts? Yeah, I mean Jason Tatum is the man in Boston right now and. Honestly, arguably, he, he's kind of the face of Boston sports right now. You know, Brady's gone. Uh, you know, Edelman's gone. Gronk's gone. We're, we're losing a lot of people in Boston. You know, and and now Tatum's kind of emerged. Zdeno Chara's gone. Uh, Pedroia's gone. Um, I mean, all these guys just kind of, you know, going away. And who's going to step up? Well, Jason Tatum has, and he's he's clearly the face of the Celtics now because. Every commercial you see that has Celtics in it, Jason Tatum is the guy they're portraying. And a lot of people making the case, this guy is the face of Boston sports. And that's why there's so much pressure on him to perform. And when he has a 3-for-17 shooting night, it's why people get so upset and angry. And it's not the first time he's done that either. So right now, I think Tatum is not really 100% this superstar leader. Like, I look at guys around the NBA, like, for example, you know, Kevin Durant, James Harden, LeBron, you know, Giannis. These are guys who are like a solidified superstar. Every night you know what you're getting from them. Most nights you know what you're getting from Tatum. You know, most nights you really do. So he's like right on the cusp right now. Like, I, I feel like he just needs like one more season to really be that kind of guy who's putting up 30, 10, and 7 every other night. Um but right now, he's just not at that level. And to do so efficiently, too. I mean, he, he can kind of do that now, but it's not efficient every night. So he's like one year away, I feel like. And I feel like a lot of people forget that he's so young and there's so much pressure on him right now. I understand Boston fans want to win. You know, I do, too. I want to see this team win. But, but I try and stay within myself a little bit and realize Tatum's really young. He still has a ways to go in his development, I think, which is shocking to say I, I don't think he's hit his ceiling yet which is just ridiculous because he's dropping 53 points a game 40 plus points a game 
uh, and he's had, you know, just under 30 points in the month of April. So to do stuff like that at the age he's at, at where he is in his, you know, development, where he is in his career is ridiculous. It's like it's like video game numbers. And I, I think that the future is really bright. And that's the thing. Like, it's crazy to say the future is really bright when your team's already been to, like, what, three out of the last four Eastern Conference finals. And you're still saying the future is bright. But you, you see it in Tatum's development. You see it in the team as a whole. They're still not, you know, the full puzzle. They still have some pieces to fit in there. This rebuilding process, it seemed like it's been 10 years now. And it's because it pretty much has. You know, ever since KG, Pierce, and Allen left, it's kind of been this slow but steady trail upwards. I remember the days where Keith Bogans was shooting in the corner for Boston, and I, I thought I was going to lose my mind. And, and now we have Tatum and Brown and Kemba, but it's still not enough. I mean, we're, we're just at the cusp, and I think Tatum, once he kicks it up, that just that extra hair, I think that's when Boston's actually going to be able to make an NBA Finals and make some real noise. You know, just one thing about Jason Tatum as well uh, – his rebounding in the month of April has been fantastic. He's had double-digit rebounds five times in the month of April. In two other games, he had nine rebounds. And, and to me, rebounding is a reflection of effort. And if a guy's out there grabbing boards, fighting for the ball, getting it, you know, grabbing boards off the rim, it just shows. I think it just really highlights that he's in it. He's he's focused and he's he's really hungry. Uh, to take this team to the next level. So uh, yeah, I'm, I am I like Jason Tatum as much as the next guy, but I do have one question for you guys. Is he a good fit with for Brad Stevens and what Brad Stevens likes to do? I'm going to leave the floor open. Whoever wants to take the first shot, take it. Yeah, I think – I think he's he fits. I know he plays a lot, you know, does a lot of ISO at times, um, and that's not, you know, Brad Stevens' system is is predicated on on ball movement. The one thing that's been encouraging lately too, and, and Maddie, you mentioned the rebounding. I think his his assist numbers have been great as well. Now, the, we can say what we want about the ten assists, you know, last night in the the worthless triple double, um, but even you know, in some of the games leading up to that, it. A bunch of games with five assists or four assists um you know since the the all-star break his assist numbers have been have been good uh and i think it it goes back to i think it was nick that mentioned talking about some of these other superstars that you know you you know what you are going to get from them on any given night i think the key thing for tatum and, and brown too to take that next step to to superstardom is finding ways to impact the game um, outside of scoring, right, and getting getting your up and elevating the guys around you, getting your other teammates involved, and it feels like they've been doing that a lot lately uh, with Tatum, with his rebounding, with his assist, uh, and I think that's that's a a nice thing to see. Uh, so I do think, you know, I still think he does a little too much iso isolation at times, um, but you know, when you have that the kind of ability that he does, you know, that's just that's bound to happen. Nick, I know it's a tough question to answer because we also all of us don't want the answer to be no, but Brad Stevens isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. All the rumors of him going back to college or going elsewhere are continuously being thrown in the trash, so he's not going anywhere. So is Jason Tatum truly a fit for what Brad Stevens wants to do? Oh, yeah, you know it's a tough question, and if I'm putting like my fandom aside, honestly, like no, he doesn't fit in Brad Stevens' system. But when I when I think about it, you know, after watching pretty much every game this this season, 
Jason Tatum doesn't fit in Brad Stevens' system, I don't think. In the same breath, like, I don't really care. I mean, he, he's doing amazing, you know, most nights. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, well, what matters? Is he a fit in the system or is he producing? I mean, yeah, you like him to do both, but chances of a guy doing both are few and far between. There's very few guys in the league that find the perfect fit and can produce in that. And Jason, Tat- Jason Tatum just isn't really the guy, I think, that would fulfill Brad Stevens' system. Like, Kemba Walker is the type of guy that would do that. He's a pretty unselfish point guard. Yeah, he looks to score, but he's pretty unselfish. Like, he doesn't have a huge ego either. I feel like Jason Tatum is starting to grow a, a pretty big ego. And if there's any, you know, evidence of that, it's probably the fact that every single buzzer beater, the ball's in Tatum's hands. And I understand the ball in the hands of your best player in those moments but, like, sometimes I'll see guys open. And it's not like, for example, end of the game, yeah, I'd probably want the ball in Tatum's hands too. But, like, at the end of the first quarter when there's, like, 14 seconds left, I mean, I don't care who shoots it when the score is 28 to 24. Like, give it to someone I don't care. Like, give some other guy another opportunity to maybe get his, like, clutch gene up a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is a, a kind of – it's probably kind of a hot take, you know, but – I mean, just kind of spread the ball. Like, it, Brad Stevens' teams have worked because guys spread the ball. They move the ball. Like, Isaiah Thomas was an unbelievable fit in Boston, and people want him back forever. It's like, we're going to be hearing about bring IT back until we're, like, seven years old. We're going to hear it in, like, 2070. People are going to still be saying, bring IT back. It's crazy. But, like, right now, I, I think about this team. If it still had Kyrie on it, I mean, Kyrie and Tatum would – Combined for 104 points a game, but the Steves would be losing games 120 to 104. Uh, it's, it's just stuff like that. That It's like, all right, is Tatum a good fit? I don't know, but it's working, so I guess don't change it. But picture-perfect guy for Brad Stevens' system. I, I don't think it's a guy like Tatum. But with that being said, I mean, keep the guy here. He's doing amazing. So Yeah, Tatum's Tatum does love ISO. Uh quite a bit. And I think that's more of a reflection of just, you know, him growing in the game. I think he may not be a picture perfect fit now, uh, given how he plays ball, but over time, as he continues to develop, I think he can continue to fit more into what Brad wants to do. And and we mentioned this earlier in the show, they don't really have a facilitator like a Rondo. If they had somebody, I think that could move the ball around with a little bit more, uh, uh, efficiency and a little bit, uh, little bit better overall i think you could see him taking more set shots as opposed to you know iso creating shots so maybe he will become more of a you know stereotypical fit for what brad stevens wants to do because neither got neither stevens nor tatum are going anywhere so they're just gonna have to continue to develop and you know like you said nick he's not he's not killing this team you know they've made it to they've been fairly successful yes have they have they won a ring not yet uh but they they, they continue to work towards that goal and, and i think um you know, in time, Tatum will continue to develop and and, and do certain things that differently. Uh, if we can remember LeBron, it took him some time. He was almost too scared to take the game into his own hands, always getting criticized for passing the ball too much and cowering away from those big moments, and that's not who he is now. So, you know, he's still young, he's still developing, and, and I think we could see uh, that fit feel or look a little, little bit more perfect as time goes on. 
that's kind of all I have on the list of things to talk about today. So, Derek, Nick, do you have anything else you want to bring up before we wrap up tonight? I was just going to add one more thing on on the the Tatum topic. Like, yeah, I mean, he could, in theory, yeah, he'll you know with more time, he'll he'll grow and and maybe he'll fit more into Steven's system. But honestly, in this league, more than any other, it's about the talent. And look, I love Brad Stevens. I think he's a great coach, and I'm I'm happy he's going to stay here. But his system, I mean, hasn't won any championships, right? So would you rather have a guy that is 100% fit of the system, or would you rather have a guy with an elite-level talent that, you know, fits in on and, you know, maybe is a, is a half fit and isn't the best fit? I think you take the talent um, all day long. So especially as Tatum continues to to get better, I think, if even if he's not the perfect fit for Stevens, a guy like that doesn't come around often. So you, you live with some of the, you know, the stuff that he does kind of outside of, Steven's game plan, essentially. Certainly. Nick, anything I, else you want to put out there before we wrap up? Yeah, Derek, I think that's honestly a great point, you know? So, um, you know, I, I, I would, like, if you put me in a room and we're like, all right, you can't leave this room until you either pick Jason Tatum or Brad Stevens um, to stay with the Celtics. Yeah, I'd, I'd pick Tatum. I mean, there's plenty of good coaches out there, I think, and Sure, Stevens has brought this team a lot of success. He's had a good system, but as you, as you said, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the talent. So I don't know how much a system can can get you. Like, yeah, you can have you can have the best system of all time, like the greatest system. But if the player you're going nowhere. So yeah, I'd probably take the talent too. And um, yeah, I'd I'd also like to see this team get a, a facility. I, could you imagine like Rajon Rondo in Boston? What would that be like? Wow, I mean, who knows? It'd be just be crazy, huh? But, uh, you know, if, if they could go out and get someone that can actually, you know, move the ball around a little bit, even just a guy off the bench. Like, that's how I thought Jeff Teague was going to be until he came in and looked like the worst basketball player I've ever seen in my life. But, um, you know, this team, it's it, the Boston Celtics. I mean, they just they never stop keeping you on your toes. That's what I've realized. So who knows what's going to happen in the future with Tatum or this team? Brad Stevens is staying here you know he's shutting down the rumors so you know i, I you know i don't even know what's gonna happen we, we're just gonna have to wait and see yeah i mean that's how i feel with everything about this team uh because it's been a roller coaster of a season but yeah i keep saying the future's bright is it i have no idea again let's just watch we'll wait and see and uh you know nevertheless i do think that that Tatum is going to lead this team to to something i don't know when it's going to be i don't know you know it could be 10 years from now it could be five could be this year I think there's something in the future for Boston. Again, I'm pretty optimistic about this, but I feel I feel it. I'm feeling it. I feel good about this. I love that positivity. Feed me all of your positivity. All right, so that's going to wrap up tonight's show. The next time you hear from us will be right around playoff time, so we will come back and do it again. And, Nick, I hope you will come back and join us again because it was a blast tonight. Great to be on. Thanks so much for having me. I'd love to be back. Um, if this team is knocked out by then and, and there's no hope, I will be angry as ever. Just a preparation for everyone. But, uh, yeah, would love to be back. It was great joining you, Maddie. Great joining you, Derek. Uh, had a really fun time tonight. Yeah, tonight was episode was great. And like I said, next time you hear from us, it'll be right around playoff time. And hopefully they will not be bounced out because I want to hear a happy, positive Nick. I don't want to hear down in the dumps, Nick. I don't want to do that. 
But if you want to go ahead and find me on Twitter, I am at Matty Kiwum. Derek is also on Twitter at McVeigh34. You can find our guests uh, on Twitter as well at Nick. When you go ahead and give your Twitter handle. Yeah, I'll plug myself. You can find me at the Nick Galley. All lowercase, one word, really easy. Just type that in. Uh, you could also probably find my Twitter on the syndicate, any article I write, right under there. So feel free to give me a follow for all your Boston sports updates, Celtics, Red Sox, Pats, when that comes around. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys. He is a great follow, so you're going to want to find him on Twitter. Another great follow is our Above the Parquet Twitter handle. That is at Above the Parquet. And as always, you follow the Boston Sports Syndicate on Twitter at Boston Sports SYN. That is also the IG handle uh, for the Boston Sports Syndicate. Check out all our written content at www.bostonsportsyndicate.com. We got a lot of big things in the works here. So you're going to want to keep coming back because we're going to keep growing and we're going to keep killing it. Uh, you can get all of our podcasts that are on the Boston Sports Syndicate Network uh, network on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And as always, buy merch, have a great night, and take it easy. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM.